What's going on, Renaissance fam? Happy New Year. My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance. Before we get started in today's message, I want to pray for us. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to us all right now, me included. I pray that your words would hit our hearts and it would bear fruit. We ask this in Jesus and we pray. Amen. So one of the things that I've noticed about myself in the last number of years is that I interpret almost every interaction I have with people through the lens of respect and disrespect. It doesn't matter how small or insignificant it is. I can be in line at Chipotle ordering a burrito bowl. And when I ask for guacamole, when they say, sir, you know, that's going to be $2 extra. Even though I've heard that line a hundred times, they could have said it to the person right in front of me. In my brain, I'm like, yo, he's trying to play me. He thinks I can't afford $2. He's not going to disrespect me. Put the guacamole in the bowl. I got it. Uh, but that means that since I see almost everything through the lens of respect and disrespect, the, my real worst case scenario is when someone actually disrespects me. Now, there are two people that disrespect me on the regular. Uh, one of them is five years old, and this is not a parenting message, but if it were, uh, I, I would talk about all of the crazy things my, my five-year-old son says to me. Uh, so wild that if he were a grown man, I would have like no choice but to fight him for saying the stuff that he says to me. But the other person is even worse than my five-year-old. This other person is extremely harsh. He's more condemning. He's less forgiving. Like he never celebrates me. And he's very, very quick to point out every single shortcoming that I have. And he does it every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. That other person is, is me. Now, I am my own worst critic uh, in so many different ways. Uh, I deal very gracelessly with myself. My critic has already come out to judge how I did in 2020, and he has a lot of very harsh words to say about that. Uh, my critic, or, or my, me being my own worst critic, means that I set very unrealistic expectations for myself. In um, 2020, I wanted to read 50 books, and I wanted to be less tired. That did not go so well. Uh, I self-impose goals and aspirations that are like way uh, out of line, like I'll never reach them. And even when I do reach some of these goals and aspirations, my imposter syndrome kicks in and I give myself an alternate reason for why I achieved something other than I did a good job that's worth celebrating. Now, in so many different ways, I have this narrative that's running through my brain. It's this inner critic that's talking to me all day long. Now, I know that I'm not alone. I know for a lot of you, you can identify with these feelings that you are your worst critic. Uh, you set expectations for yourself that are unrealistic. You self-impose goals and aspirations that are out of reach for you. And sometimes you just straight up feel like an imposter. Now, there are two reasons uh, for the reason that we talk to ourselves like this, that we have this inner critic and this narrative that's running through our brains. One of them is nature and the other one is nurture. By nature, I mean our human condition, that all of us have something inside of us that, that makes us do this. And it's something called sin. And it's not something that you decided to do. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, our earliest four parents, when after they sinned, uh, they started to notice their nakedness. And immediately they started to hide and to try to cover up. And there's something inside of all of us that feels a sense of unworthiness. And it's also nurture. 
There's been so many messages that you and I have picked up throughout the course of our life from parents and teachers and JV basketball coaches that have uh, criticized us and critiqued us in such a way that we feel that the best way to get something out of ourselves is to critique ourselves even more. Even when the entire history of your life would tell you otherwise, we still feel like that that is our go-to emotion for that. Now, part of this is actually a little bit healthy that we are critical of ourselves. And part of it is so that we can make sure that we are functioning well in society. And if we don't check ourselves, uh, nobody else will. Prophet Ice Cube said it, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But the way that we do this in reality, it, it really does derail what God wants to do in your life. Now, for me, maybe you're different. So much of the, the newness of a year, for me, feels like new possibilities. It feels like new mercies. It feels like I can a, a achieve certain things. And Lord knows 2020 was so difficult that we are all happy to put that in our rearview mirror. But a lot of us are wondering what our lives could look like in 2021. And in order for us to truly get what I feel that God wants us to get, we're going to, we're going to need to learn how to silence our inner critic and hear God's voice speak to us instead. Now, here's what Jesus wants from, from you and for you. He wants our growth. He wants us to achieve new things. John 15 and 8, Jesus says this. He says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. All throughout the Bible, it's so clear that God wants us to grow. God wants us to get it. God wants us to, to move forward in so many different ways. And our inner critic is one of the biggest hindrances that you and I have to reaching for what God has for us. Now, the good news is that you and I are not alone. Uh, there, are, there are people and examples in scripture that I think, that I think are going to help us to identify where the root uh, of the problem is and to move us forward to silencing our inner critic. Uh, the guy I want to look at today in scripture is a man named Moses. We've been journeying through the book of Exodus, and we've read this one passage, passage of scripture a number of times. And today I want to look at it in a, in a different light a little bit. Uh, it's, it's a piece of Exodus 3 and also a piece of Exodus 4. Um, the scripture says in Exodus 3, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Uh, so because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I, I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now for 400 years, the children of Israel were oppressed under Egyptian rule. And finally, God hears their prayers and God intervenes. And God says he's stepping into history to lead his people out of uh, bondage in, in Egypt and to move them forward uh, into their own land. So you would think that if you're Moses, you'd be hyped like, yo, yes, let's get it. Uh, God of all eternity, the God of my forefathers, he's down. It's time to go get it. And here's Moses's reply to God. But Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past 
or recently since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Moses says, please, Lord, send someone else. Now God approached Moses with an assignment that was over his head. Uh, the Lord was gonna take Moses to the leader of the free world, to the most powerful nation at that time to help free his people from slavery. And Moses' response at first glance looks like humility, but in reality, it is the opposite of humility. God tells Moses, I will be with you. And to Moses, that wasn't enough. Now, Moses oversteps his bounds and he implies that his poor communication skills will undercut God's power and God's intention to use him to speak on his behalf. We might be tempted to think that Moses is displaying humility, but he is not. Actually, what Moses is displaying here in this text is pride. Now, if we're gonna silence our inner critic, the first thing we need to learn how to do is to reject pride in our life. Now, I, I see your face behind the camera. Uh, I know you're like, whoa, bro, how is that, how is that pride? And here's how I know this is pride. Pride says, what happens is up to me. Humility says, Lord, everything that concerns me is in your hands. And this is the beginning of peace. Now, Moses here was, was acting pridefully because he was thinking and believing that everything that's going to happen is going to happen. It's going to rise or fall based on me and my ability. And that is the essence of pride. There's another scripture where it says this in Psalm 10 and 4. It says, in his pride, the wicked person does not see God because here's why. In all of their thoughts, there's no room for God. Here's what Moses was thinking. In all of his thoughts about the bigness of Pharaoh, about the enormity of his insufficiencies, there was no room for God. God, the creator, God, the sustainer of all things in life. Moses had no room for him in his thoughts. Now, I know this feeling personally very well, how much and how easily pride could crowd everything out, God included. Uh, when this pandemic first began, I remember, I remember sitting at my desk, feeling like I was about to have a panic attack, wondering if we should suspend services uh, in person and go online. And this was before there was any cases in, in the United States. And I was just so nervous and so overwhelmed and really starting to feel like I was spiraling out of control. And finally, I, I started to pray after like hours and hours of worrying and anxiety. And I realized while praying that, man, I, I feel like this is all up to me. And whenever we feel like something is all up to us, it's crushing. The first thing we do is go to our insufficiencies. And this is what we see Moses doing here in, in this text. Moses is saying in Exodus 4, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently since you have been speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. And what is Moses believing? He's believing that it is all up to him. Now, the reason his inner critic was so loud was because he put himself front and center of the universe. He made himself the object of what was going to get something done instead of putting God in God's rightful place. One of my good friends, Rich Perez, preached a sermon on this, and he was talking about Moses and the lunacy of believing that it was all up to him. This text has nothing to do with how good 
and profound Moses was as a communicator. This is all about God and what God was trying to do through him, a person that did not deserve it and could never do it on his own. Now, Moses, in speaking to God, God finally comes and interrupts him and says, Moses, enough with your self-loathing. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, not because you are enough, but because I am enough. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, not because you have the power, but because I have the power. You will do great things, not because you are great, but because I am great. He is the great I am. Now, as you have envisioned for what you are hoping and praying God does in your life in 2021, I hope it's grand things. I hope you are expecting God to do real stuff in your life. I hope you're really praying for growth. I hope you're praying to see God draw people to him that are far from him right now. And it's not going to depend on you and how great you are. If it does, your inner critic is going to be screaming at you every single day. But what humility says is, it doesn't all rest up to me. And I'm going to reject the notion that it's about me. That's the first step for us to silencing our inner critic and obtaining what God has for us. If we're going to grow in 2021, we need to reject pride in every single one of its manifestations. God tells Moses, Moses, I don't care if you stutter. I'm the one who created, created mouths. Trust me, I am enough. Now, in pride, what pride creates is something called self-sufficiency. And self-sufficiency shows itself uh, the more and more we find ourselves discouraged. Now, here's something I've noticed in my own life. What I'm discouraged about, or when I'm discouraged, it shows me what I have actually been relying on. When I'm relying on Jordan, I get discouraged by the lack of progress, by my lack of growth, and I start to beat myself up and put myself in a corner and judge and critique myself. But in reality, what it's doing is it's showing me where I have put my reliance. That's a gift. If you are noticing dissatisfaction with your spiritual life, embrace that as God's gift to you right now in this moment, because when we are discouraged, many times it's showing us what we have been relying on. And in so many different situations, we are pridefully relying all on ourselves. Now, here's the beauty of Christianity. It is not that I'm great, but that God is great. Paul says it like this in Romans 8, 29 through 30. He says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those God predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Scripture says that every single person that has placed their faith in Christ is foreknown. That before you were even a thought in your parents' eye, God knew you. And while you were being knit in your mother's womb together by God, God knew who you were. And God was predestining you. Nothing is a coincidence. As Jesus said in John 6, uh, you didn't choose him, but he chose you. And the same God who predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus, he also called us. Nobody can take credit for coming to God. Jesus says in John, everyone who has come has come because my father has drawn them. Not only are we called, we are justified. We are, we and our behavior is not what makes us right with God. We have a savior who has paid the penalty for all of our sin and has built the bridge himself on the cross, reconciling us and God. He who did not know sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. We are justified and God has given us his Holy Spirit and has glorified us. Christianity is good news because it means it is not up to you. 
Christianity is not about a, it's not about a great you. It's about a great God who does things through people, which means that we should reject pride in every single manifestation in our lives. Now, I don't want you to also think, though, that nothing you do matters, that all you have to do is sit and God will zap you from heaven and everything that's going to happen in your life is just going to happen because God is that great. He is that great. But God gives us means of grace to change us. Years ago, I used to call them spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, prayer, community. I no longer call them disciplines, although they do require discipline. I now call them means of grace. And I call them means of grace because they are the vehicles, they are the methods by which God wants to dispense and give you grace in your life. Two of those means of grace that I think we would do very well to think about in 2021 are scripture and community. Now, this is so connected to pride because pride says, I will determine what I need in my life. Humility says, God, I will listen to you to tell me what I actually need in my life. Jesus says this in Matthew 4. He says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, I'm very humbled even as I read that because I think about how much more I should be reading scripture and how much I, I flippantly treat the Bible sometimes like it's something that's a, a nice to have, not a need to have. But Jesus has a different understanding of scripture and humility says, God, I'll receive your version of it, not mine. Uh, and we're going to have some how to read a Bible, how to read the Bible classes happening in January for those of you who really want to uh, gain more biblical literacy about how you can meaningfully engage with, with scripture. And a second means of grace that God gives us is community. It's actually impossible to read the New Testament individualistically. If you read it in its original languages, the New Testament authors assume that you are known by people, that you are embedded in local community, and you are striving together uh, towards Jesus. And our last uh, semester of DNA groups, so many great things have happened, so many amazing connections. And I'll speak for me and my own group. Uh, DNA groups are what we're doing during this pandemic to connect with each other. They are groups of around six, uh, four to seven people. And we meet virtually online, some in the morning, some in the evening. And you meet with the same men or the same women every single week for about eight weeks. And it is one of the best investments that you can make in your spiritual life uh, to accept what God says that we need more than what we think we need. So number one, we really truly have to uh, reject pride. And that also includes uh, rejecting, relying on our view of things more than God's view of things. And this is something that has been so profound for me. The second thing we need, we need to do to silence our inner critic is we need to reframe our weaknesses. We need to reframe our weaknesses. Now, a weakness is an inability. And here's the thing I love about God. God knows that I'm weak. Like God is not surprised by my weaknesses. God is not surprised by your weaknesses. God knows all about them. God doesn't loathe you for your weaknesses. As a matter of fact, God's response to your weaknesses is so much different than your response to your own weaknesses. The way you respond to your weaknesses is, is frustration, anger, and self-loathing. The way God responds to your weaknesses is empathy and help. And if we're going to silence our inner critic, we need to uh, truly reframe the way that we understand how God views us in light of our weaknesses. In Matthew 26 and 40, um, Jesus 
was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And quite honestly, one of the worst moments of his life, he asked his disciples, who were also his friends, to listen, can you please just stay awake with me and pray? And here's what it says in 26 and 40. It says, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me? You couldn't stay awake with me one hour. Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. Here's what Jesus says to them. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, a couple of months ago, uh, Michael Crawford taught a relationships workshop, which is also on our YouTube channel. And it was profound as he walked through the way that God responds to our weaknesses, our limitations that are so much different than the way we respond to our weaknesses. Jesus goes to the disciples and says, you're willing. I know you are willing, but you're just weak in this, in this area. The spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now in Hebrews 4 and 15, it says this, we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands. He can sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Did that catch that? What scripture tells us to do with our weaknesses is to take them to God because God understands our weaknesses and to go boldly to him despite our weaknesses because we can find mercy and grace. God does not despise you because of your weaknesses. Uh, God's response to our weaknesses is empathy, understanding, and an availability to help. You know, this past week, I was, I was thinking about the way that I would even view my own children. And in so many ways, I behave and I, and I think theologically that like I'm a much better father than God is because I would never abandon my kids and their weaknesses. But what are we saying about God? We're in so many ways believing that unless we are strong, God will have nothing to do with us. But that is the opposite of what scripture tells us about our weaknesses. As a matter of fact, it tells us that God's power is made perfect in weaknesses. God does not despise you because of your weaknesses. He does not despise you because you haven't read through the Bible 17 times. He doesn't despise you because you're inconsistent. He doesn't despise you because you say you're going to do some things and don't always follow through. God is available to help us with our weaknesses. And if we're going to silence our inner critic, inner critic, we need to reframe the way that scripture tells us God thinks about us and all of our limitations. Now, number three, if we're really going to see growth this, this year, I think we need to learn how to accept what God says about us over what we think about us. We need to accept and embrace what God says about us. Now, here's the truth. Uh, what God says about you is infinitely more important than what you believe about you. I'll prove it to you right now. So uh, I, I used to practice law. And one of the last cases I had was a family member and who got caught up in some stupid stuff and got arrested. And I worked pretty hard to get him a pretty good deal. So we go to court and all he had to do was community service and he was going to be let off the hook. That day, I looked around the courtroom and that judge was not playing around. She was passing out 30 days in Rikers like it was Skittles. Anybody who didn't, who didn't do their community service, she was sending them right away. 
I reached over to my family member and said, hey, you, you did fi finish your community service. He was like, ah, you see what had happened was like it was Tuesday. And I was like, bro, you about to go to jail. Uh, this judge is absolutely not playing around. And I, I remember being so nervous walking up to the bench and putting my name on the record and getting ready to try to plead some case for my family member who was getting who was caught up. And in my brain, I looked at him. I was like, bro. Sorry, man, like give me your cell phone right now because there's no way you're not going to jail. He and I both fully believed that he was about to get locked up. And for whatever reason, God was on our side and the judge gave him another month or two to finish his community service. And we ran out of that courthouse as quickly as we could before he would change, before the judge would change her mind. And here's the thing, while we were standing there, I thought he was going to jail. He thought he was going to jail and none of our opinions about the situation mattered. The only person whose opinion mattered was a judge. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, it is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, he says, I don't even judge myself for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. Here's what God says to you. Here's what God says to you. If you're newer and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, God says, come to me. You are invited. He says, let go of the reins of your life. I created you. I am better at directing your life than you ever will, will be. God says, you can bring to me all of your sins and I can handle them. For those of you who have already placed your faith in Christ, here's what God says about you. He says, you're safe with me. Nobody can pluck you out of my hands. God tells us that you and I matter to him. Nothing in your life right now, no matter how hard, no matter how mundane, none of it is being wasted. He is the good shepherd that is using all things for our good and for his glory. God tells us that he is with us. He tells his disciples that I am with you even until the very end of the ages. You have weaknesses? That's fine. God tells us, likewise, the spirit helps us with our weaknesses for we don't even know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We have to learn how to accept and embrace what God says about us more than what we think about us. If we're gonna silence our inner critic and learn what it means to walk in freedom. Now, I wanna leave us with something practical for this week. Uh, as you are in this conversation with yourself, this never-ending dialogue you're having, I want to challenge you to not be passive, but to be active. Now, a lot of times what I notice in my own life is that I just let my, my, the dialogue just go. And whatever rabbit hole it takes me down, I'll find myself there half an hour or an hour later. But instead, what I actually feel like we should be doing is more talking to ourselves and less listening to ourselves. What do I mean by that? I mean, being intentional about what we are actually telling ourselves. And we see this in scripture in Psalm 43 and five, the, the, the Psalm writer, David, is he's down, he's, he's, he's depressed, he's beating himself up, he's, he's dejected, he's discouraged. And here's what he says, why my soul are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my savior and my God. 
We need to be intentional about talking to ourselves instead of just listening to ourselves. And we do that in a number of ways. One, we recite scripture over ourselves. And one of the lost arts of modern Christianity is this act of meditating on scripture. Meditating on scripture does not require that you read the Bible for 600 you know, minutes a day. It means that we take a truth that God has given us and we chew on it over and over and over again. It might be a scripture that we read today. Uh, it might be something that you, you find on Google, a truth that replaces the lies that we tell ourselves. And this is how we're going to find growth and what God has for us this year when we allow God to direct us by his words, even more than sometimes what we can see in front of us. This is the essence of faith. Let me pray for us. So Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that uh, we would be able to not beat ourselves up because of our weaknesses, that we would not trust ourselves, that we would not believe what we want to believe about ourselves, but rather, Lord, we would let you tell us who we are and we would embrace that truth as our own. And Lord, as we find that inner critic judging us and critiquing us and condemning us, we would replace those lies with your truth about who you say, who you say we are. So Lord, would you allow us to walk in that freedom? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.